Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You could also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. City Church and also all of you out in uh, Prescott Valley and all of you here. I have an honor to introduce you to Nash. He is a college student who joined uh, about a year and a half ago, a small group of boy guys, not boys, um, and he just came and said, I want to know more about God. And he started seeking God. And it has been an honor and a privilege to watch him grow in Christ and give his life to Christ and become a follower of Christ. And I get the incredible honor to baptize him today. So Nash, just repeat after me. Hold up. I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ that, is the Son of God. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Came to earth in human form and lived a perfect life. Came to earth in human form and lived a perfect life. Died on the cross for my sins. Died on the cross for my sins. Rose again and defeated death. Rose again and defeated death. And that you commit your life to him. And that I commit my life to him. So in the name, because of your confession, in the name of the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you. Well, welcome. What a... What a way to start our time together. So glad that you're here. want to welcome all of those who are joining us online from whenever and wherever you are. So grateful to have you as a part of the Quad City family. want to welcome all of those in PV today. Uh, so grateful to have you as well and those who are joining me uh, here at the Prescott campus. If you're a newcomer in any of those venues, our uh, pastors would love a chance to connect with you. If you're in PV, uh, out Make sure you stop by Connection Central on your way out today, and one of our pastors will be there to connect with you. If you're online, drop us an email, put your name in the chat, and we'll follow up with you. Uh, if you're here on the Prescott campus, out in the lobby off to the right, we have a place we call Pastor's Point. I'll be hanging out there after the service uh, with some of our other pastoral staff. would welcome you to come and introduce yourself today. Um, we are kicking off a brand new series this morning where we're going to spend the next several weeks walking through some of the parables of Jesus. Now, here's the thing about Jesus' parables. They are some of the most famous teachings of Jesus. Literally, people who know little to nothing about the Bible will often reference the parables of Jesus without even knowing it. A couple of years ago, I spent too much time watching the news. I made it a habit every night, and I watched the news. And I was watching ABC News, 
and there was a story that they did, kind of the feel-good story at the end of their newscast, and it was a story about a guy who helped some people who were in trouble, and the byline on the bottom of the screen of my TV said, Good Samaritan helps elderly couple. And I just chuckled. And I, and, I, and I said, I wonder if they know that just by saying that phrase, Good Samaritan, everybody knows what a Good Samaritan is. Everybody understands the context of Good Samaritan. I wonder if they know that they're actually right there in that moment quoting Jesus, that a Good Samaritan is a made up character in a parable that Jesus told. I wonder if they know that they're proclaiming that on national TV right now. That's, but everybody knows the Good Samaritan. If I said prodigal son, everybody knows what prodigal son is. You didn't have to grow up in church. You never had to go to Sunday school class to understand the idea of the prodigal son. Everybody gets it. But again, the prodigal son is just a made-up character in a story that Jesus tells. The parables are some of the most famous of Jesus' teaching. And yet, and yet... They are some of the most misunderstood and misapplied teachings of Jesus. And that's why I want us to spend a few weeks walking through some of them together. Before we spend time talking about the parables individually, I want today to take um, uh, uh, some time together to talk about the parables collectively, to talk about the category of this thing that we call parables. I want us to understand the big idea behind parables before we dive into any of the specific parables. There are somewhere between 30 and 40 parables uh, in Jesus' teaching, and they're found in what we call the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In other words, there's no parables in the gospel of John. And I say there's between 30 and 40 um, because the way you defined parable will determine how many of them you'll find. Like for us, the word parable has a pretty specific definition. When we think about a parable, we're thinking about a, a everyday story, that simple story that, that Jesus uses to tell a moral or spiritual truth. That's what we think of when we say the word parable. But in Scripture, that word parable is used to define other types of figures of speech. It's used to talk about uh, similes and allegories and proverbs and riddles and symbols and fables. So our definition of parable is a little bit more narrow than biblical definition of parable. So how you define the word parable will determine how many of them you find in Jesus' teaching. But for the sake of our study, when we talk about a parable, what we're talking about is simple stories that are taken from everyday life that Jesus uses to teach spiritual truth. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about when we think about parable. And again, before we get into individual parables, I want us to think about them as a whole, as a collective. Okay, because there's some characteristics that we need to understand about parables before we dive into a parable. So I've got four, there's more, but let me share four of them today, four truths that I want you to know about parables before we dive into a specific parable. Here's the first one. Most of the time, Jesus' parables aren't illustrations for his sermons. They are the sermon. 
So preaching today, you'll often have a pastor and he'll make a point and then tell a story. Make a point and tell a story. And the story illustrates the point. That's not primarily how Jesus uses parables. Jesus tells a parable and that's the whole sermon. Like there's no point in story. It's just the story. He just tells the story. And that's the the whole thing. It is not the garnish on the plate. It is the main course. Right? That's Jesus in his parable. In fact, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus goes through a sermon, and all he does in the sermon is just tell parables, one right after another, with no points in between. Just a bunch of parables. That's what Jesus does. And we'll talk about why in just a few minutes. Here's the second truth I need you to know about parables. Jesus' parables were set in real life, but not always in reality. Jesus' parables were set in real life, but not always reality. And what I mean by that is that Jesus told stories. And when he told stories, they were stories about everyday life. They were about a fisherman catching fish. They were about a woman baking bread. They were about seeds that fall in a field that grow up into harvest. Jesus tells stories that everybody understood they were part of everyday life. Never in Jesus' parables does he ever have any fanciful characters there's never a rabbit that talks there's never a tree that walks there's never a boat that flies right they're all set in everyday life however they're not always set in reality and here's what i mean by that um jesus tells a parable about a servant who is in debt to his master that was said in real life that happened in jesus day servant owes his master some money But in Jesus' parable, the servant owes his master 10,000 talents. And since none of you cackled or rolled your eyes, then you probably don't understand what a talent is. Well, a talent is a weight of measurement that would be used to determine how much gold or silver a person had. One talent was about 20 years worth of the average day's wage. And now you're starting to get it, right? 20 years worth was one talent. This servant owes his master 10,000 talents. Yeah, now I got a half a giggle. Then now you get it, right? It's, it's not reality. Nobody could owe that. It'd be like me saying, you owe 10 quadrillion dollars. And everybody rolls their eyes. It doesn't exist. In fact, most scholars believe that in the Roman world at the time, there weren't 10,000 talents of gold even mined in the world. It just didn't exist. Nobody could owe that much money. And that was a point that Jesus wanted to make. So Jesus' parables were set in real life, but not always reality. He would often exaggerate a part of the story to make a point. So, number three. Jesus' parables have intentional, often singular, main points. In other words, when Jesus tells a story, when Jesus tells a parable, there is a reason for it. It has an intentional purpose. He has a meaning that he is trying to get across to his hearers. And oftentimes, that is, there's one main point to the parable. There's one thing that he's trying to communicate. These are not stories just thrown out there for you to figure out your own meaning to. Well, what does that story mean to you? What do you think Jesus means by this such and such a story? Here's the reality. doesn't matter what you think. 
Doesn't matter how it makes you feel. Does, this is not a pick your own ending when Jesus tells these parables. There is an intended meaning behind it. Jesus is using a parable to communicate a very specific truth. And we don't get to make up what the story means. It has an intended meaning. Our job is to figure out what that meaning is. And in the midst of you determining what the story means, if the meaning that you determine for a parable would not make sense to the person who heard the parable the first time, then you don't have the right meaning. Like the meaning that Jesus gave with the, the parable had to make sense for those who heard it the first time. Here's the last truth that I want you to know about Jesus' use of parables. And this is likely going to be the, the, the most shocking, um, the most confusing, and maybe the most controversial. So I'm saving it for last and we'll spend the bulk of our time on it today. Here's number four. Jesus primarily used parables to conceal truth, not to reveal truth. When Jesus told parables, his primary reason for telling parables was to conceal truth, not to reveal truth. There's a pastor and author named uh, John MacArthur. He's in Southern California. Many of you have probably heard of him. Wrote a lot of great books, and he wrote a book on the parables, and I think he does as good as I've ever heard of anybody talking about this part of the parables. And so much of what I'm going to share with you about this point, I got uh, gleaned from him. When we think about the stories of Jesus, there's this idea that has kind of grown up, blown up in the church over the, about the last 30 to 40 years as it relates to preaching. That, that, that in preaching circles over the last couple of decades, there's this idea that what made Jesus so effective as a leader and a teacher was his ability to tell great stories. That Jesus was such a great storyteller. And, and, and that, that Jesus was able to take these amazing heavenly stories and put them in, I'm sorry, heavenly truths and put them in earthly stories. And if we as pastors and preachers could just be better storytellers, then we could help convey the truth of God and make that meaning perfectly clear to everybody. If we were just better storytellers. In fact, many of the modern books on preaching point to Jesus' stories and say, look at these examples and emulate what Jesus is doing. Because look how effective they are in conveying truth to people. So the thinking goes, Jesus used everyday stories to convey truth. That's what we as pastors and preachers should be doing just convey truth through a bunch of stories. Instead of stating truth in objective ways with facts and propositional statements, with well-thought-out arguments and unambiguous truth claims, we just need to tell better stories. Instead of wasting time and effort doing exegetical preaching or doctrinal preaching or theological preaching, just 
Let's just be better storytellers like Jesus. We just need to be like Jesus and tell stories that make hard truths plain and clear and accessible. We just need to tell stories that make the truth of God more palatable and understandable and digestible and portable and relatable. That's what Jesus did. Everybody loves the story. Everybody connects to stories. And if we could just tell stories of everyday life, maybe even our everyday life, then, then everybody would be able to comprehend the truth of God. So that's the idea behind much of the preaching that goes around in our culture today. Is we're just going to tell a bunch of stories and convey the truth of God through stories. And maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe there's some truth that in our culture, what, what most impacts people, what most moves people to transformation, maybe, maybe, maybe it is through stories. Maybe that's true. But the question that we got to ask ourselves is, is that what Jesus was doing? I mean, the idea is we should do what Jesus did, and if that's what Jesus did, we should do that. The question is, is that what Jesus was trying to do? Did Jesus tell stories to make us be able to understand truths that were not easy to understand? Did Jesus use parables to make his teaching more accessible? Did Jesus use stories so that his teaching would be more clear for his audience? Is that what Jesus was doing? And the unequivocal answer to that is no. That is not what Jesus was doing. Not even close. In fact, if that was Jesus' point, if he was trying to use stories to make his teaching more clear, Jesus failed miserably. Utter failure if that was his goal. But my contention is that was not his goal. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on or turn them to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And in Matthew chapter 13, we're going to see Jesus make this fourth truth claim here clear to us. That he primarily used parables, not to reveal truth, but to conceal it. In Matthew 13, we find a significant shift in the teaching style of Jesus. From this point forward, Jesus, from Matthew 13 forward, Jesus' primary mode of teaching is going to be through parables. Some would say his only mode of teaching from this point. MacArthur would say the only thing Jesus does in his public teaching from this point forward is through parables. Is through parables. Whenever Jesus, from this point, begins to address the public, does a public teaching, addresses the crowd, the masses, he most often utilizes parables. And the question becomes, why? Why this shift? Starting here in Matthew 13. Why does Jesus choose parables? Why not just straightforward, clear proclamation teaching like he's done in the past? Like in one of his most famous sermons, right? The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus would take a truth from the Old Testament and he would say, well, you have heard it said. And then he would quote a law from the Old Testament. And then he'd clarify it by saying, but I tell you. That's like exegetical preaching. He gives us a truth from the Old Testament and clarifies it and applies it in a way that we can understand it. You've heard it said, but I tell you, that was straightforward propositional preaching. But, but that's not what we're going to find in Matthew 13. Nor will we find it after Matthew 13, whenever Jesus is teaching publicly. 
So why does he change? Well, my contention is, as we will see, because from this point forward, Jesus' goal is not to reveal truth to the masses, but to actually conceal it. So let's pick it up. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, and then he goes on to tell a parable. So Jesus leaves his house, goes down to the shore, crowds come in, he jumps on a boat, pushes off a little bit, creates a makeshift amphitheater where his voice ricochets off the water, that everybody standing on the shore, on the hillside, could hear him teaching. And he begins in that moment to teach in parables. And the first three words here are really important. That same day. Because Matthew chapter 13 is connected. It's the same day as what happened in Matthew chapter 12. So you've got to back up just a little bit. What happened in Matthew chapter 12? It was one of Jesus' most contentious days with the Pharisees. One of his most contentious, Jesus started off by breaking their Sabbath rules. And he healed a man on the Sabbath. And he did it right in front of them, blatantly called them out, healed a man, breaking their Sabbath rules. So much so that they got so ticked that in Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 7, it says, from that moment they left that place and plotted how they might kill Jesus. I mean, they're mad. They are so ticked off. Everybody else who saw the miracle then goes and gets every person that they know who is sick and they bring them to Jesus. Because if he healed that guy, maybe he'll heal my, heal my cousin, heal my wife, heal my child. All of these people are brought to Jesus and he heals them all. One of them that was brought, we're told, is a demon-possessed man who is mute and blind. And Jesus heals him and he casts out the demon. And all of the people see it, and they are amazed at Jesus. So much so that they begin to ask questions. Is he the one? Is he the one? Is he the Messiah? Is he the one that we've been waiting on? And the Pharisees are so angry that the people are looking to Jesus to be the Messiah. When they hear them asking the question, the Pharisees respond. They said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. It is only by the prince of demons. Jesus, working by the power of God, healing people. When they, the Pharisees see it, they conclude to the, to the crowd, the only reason he's able to drive out those demons is because he actually works for the Lord of the demons. That's why he can tell them what to do. He's actually working. That's Satan at work in his life. That's why he tells demons what to do. The Pharisees conclude the only reason he can do it is because he's working for Satan. At which point Jesus says, you've crossed the line. You've crossed the line. Jesus says, you can say anything about me. You can downgrade me in any way that you want. But the moment that you clearly see a picture of the work of God through the Spirit of God, and your conclusion is that is actually the work of Satan, there is no coming back from that. 
Jesus says. There is no coming back from that. You cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit like that and think you will ever be saved. Salvation is beyond you at that point. All of this happened on this same day. So we jump into Matthew chapter 13. Where Jesus stands up and he begins to teach the crowd. And he only uses parables to do it. After all of the stuff that happened in chapter 12. And this is new and this is different. And the question is why? Why the switch, Jesus? And this isn't just a question that we've asked. We were not the first to ask. The first to ask were the disciples themselves. Matthew 13, 10. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? Jesus, you haven't done this before. Why why the switch? Why today? Why are you now speaking to the people in parables? And again, the modern culture would, would say, well, maybe he's doing it because he wants to be more engaging. He wants to get his content out in a way that's more applicable to people. He wants to make it more palatable, more relatable, easier to understand. Jesus, is that why you're doing parables now? So that people understand your teaching better? No. Jesus replied, you want to know why I'm doing this? Here's why. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Jesus, why do you, why do you talk to all of those people out there? Why do you use parables? Jesus huddles his disciples up and says, here's why. Because the knowledge of the kingdom of heaven is for you, but it ain't for them. In fact, for those who have been given kingdom principles, you understand the truth. Those who have knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom, you guys, you're, you're going to be actually given more truth, more knowledge. And you're going to have it in abundance. But those people out there who think that they have knowledge of the kingdom, they think they do, I teach in parables because what's going to happen is even the truth that they think they have is going to be taken from them and they're going to be left with nothing. That's why I teach in parables. And in this moment, Jesus draws a line that there are those who get it and there are those who do not get it. There are those whose hearts are open to the work of the Spirit of God in their life. And there are those whose hearts are closed. And those whose hearts are open and receptive, those who truly do have knowledge of the kingdom, they'll get more of it. But those whose hearts are closed, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. And they will have no part in the kingdom. And from this point on, when Jesus teaches publicly, primarily he will teach through parables. So as to conceal truth from the masses. Not to reveal it. And just in case somehow we misconstrued this whole thing, Jesus says it as plainly as he can say it. This is why I speak to them in parables. Why do you do this, Jesus? Here's why. Though seeing, they do not see. 
Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts, heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. The reason Jesus says, I speak in parables, is not to make his teaching more clear, but to make it more cloudy. It isn't to make his truth easier to understand, but more difficult to understand. It isn't to open people's eyes. It is precisely to keep them closed. Now, do not miss this. The reason that they can't understand the parables, the reason that they can't figure out what he's saying, is not because you can't understand parables. The reason they can't understand it is because their hearts have become calloused. Because of their rejection of Jesus, because of their dismissal of his clear work, his clear words that declare the truth of God. He was clearly proclaiming God's truth. He was clearly demonstrating God's truth. And their rejection of the clear demonstration of the power of God hardened their hearts to what God wanted them to see. And they hardly hear with their ears. They are holding their ears because they don't want to hear what Jesus has to say. They don't want to hear what Jesus is saying about himself and about the love of God. They don't want to hear it. And they have closed their eyes. They have closed their own eyes. They don't want to see what God is doing right in front of them. They would rather not see it and claim it's something else that is doing what Jesus is clearly doing by the power of God. They've hardened their hearts. They're closing their ears. They've shut their own eyes. And so, Jesus says, so I am now going to teach in parables. I'm going to teach in parables so that the prophecy of Isaiah becomes fulfilled in them. They will be ever hearing but never understanding. They'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. That's why. In fact, at the end of this sermon, Matthew records that Jesus spoke all of these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. Nothing except for parables. Because they had rejected the clear teaching. The clear demonstration of the work of God through Jesus. Jesus stops teaching clearly and only teaches in parables. Because they chose to close their eyes and stay in the dark, Jesus shifts his teaching to help keep them in the dark. But for the disciples... For those whose hearts were not calloused, who were still open to the work of God, whose eyes were still open, whose ears still wanted to hear, to, to, to his disciples, Jesus has some good news. But blessed are you, Jesus says to his disciples, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. 
For those whose hearts are open, ears are open, eyes are open, who's surrendered to Jesus and wants to see and hear and experience what God's doing through him, to those people, Jesus says, good news for you. God wants to speak. And in fact, he is going to so speak, he's going to show you things and you're going to hear things that the great prophets of old didn't get to hear. The prophets of old didn't get to see. They longed to have what you have, but they didn't get it. Abraham and David and Solomon and Isaiah, these guys wanted. They looked forward. They longed to see what you see, but they didn't get to. But blessed are your eyes. Blessed are your ears. Because God's going to reveal things to you that he never revealed. Even to them. And what was true for these Disciples on a, on a shoreline in Galilee is even more true for us who have surrendered to Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We, because of the Holy Spirit, get to see things that even they didn't see at this point. We get to hear things that they didn't even get to hear at this point because they are yet to have been filled with the Holy Spirit. When we encounter the parables, we get to experience them in a way even they did not because they did not have the Holy Spirit yet. So, as we begin our study of the parables, here's what we need to remember. As he's teaching them these parables, there are two audiences that he's teaching to. For one, the large crowd, the masses... The parables were meant to conceal truth. But to the small crowd, to the disciples, they were meant as a vehicle to reveal truth. But even, even, even to those who were, who were going to gain knowledge through the parables, they didn't get it from just hearing the parables. Like the parables even... Confuse things for the disciples. In fact, as we'll start seeing beginning next week, Jesus would often tell a parable to the crowd out in public and the disciples would pull Jesus aside later and say, what was that? Like, what, was the, what, what did you mean when you said that? Tell us the meaning of that. They did not understand it. But because they came, with a heart that was open and eyes that were open and ears that were open, desiring to understand what Jesus was teaching, Jesus went out of his way to make sure and explain the parable to them in clear language. And that's what he wants to do for us. There were two audiences. And what, again, what was true on that shoreline in Galilee is true among this ecclesia today. That there are, there are two audiences here today. There are two audiences for these parables. Some of you come in today and you have hard hearts. They are calloused. Because you have seen the work of God and you have rejected it. You've heard the clear proclamations of Jesus and have chosen not to believe it. You have actually seen God demonstrate His power in your life and in other people's lives. And instead of attributing it to the work of God, you've 
You've attributed it to circumstance, to luck, to other things besides the fingerprint of God. You have written off amazing things that God has done in your life and in other people's lives and have given credit to those things to other things. You, you don't actually want to hear what Jesus has to tell you because you haven't liked what you've heard so far. So you actually cover your ears and only listen for the things you want. You've closed your eyes. You've hardened your hearts. And you may, through this series, come and hear these parables taught. And they may be compelling and engaging stories. You may even leave inspired. And, but, but because you have not surrendered yourself to Jesus with a heart that's open and says, whatever you teach me, I want to hear. Whatever you want to reveal to me, I want to see. Whatever you say to me, I want to hear it. You're going to walk out of these sermons listening to the parables and completely missing the point. Just like the people in the crowds. But for those who come in with hearts that are open and ears that are open and eyes that are open, proclaiming, Jesus, whatever you want to show me, I want to see it. Whatever you want to say to me, I want to hear it. Transform me from the inside out. Whatever you reveal to me, I want to apply it. If you come in with that kind of heart, that kind of mindset, if you come in with that kind of countenance of surrender to Jesus, then he's going to take what little you know of the kingdom and he's going to pile on more so that you have it in abundance. So here's a simple prayer. I'm going to invite all of us to pray over the next week. Jesus, open my eyes to see your truth. Open my ears to hear from your spirit. Open my heart to receive your word so that I may be transformed. Let's dedicate ourselves to walking into these parables with hearts and eyes and ears wide open to what the Spirit wants to do in us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are grateful that we have been given the Spirit of God to open our eyes and soften our hearts and to unstop our ears so that we can be transformed by your Word. So I pray for everybody in this room, everybody in our Prescott Valley campus, that we would have hearts that are surrendered to you. That we come eager, anticipating that you want to speak to us clearly so that we too can experience your grace. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.